Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Iris and to the reading of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. It's Monday, March 6th. I'm your volunteer reader, Bob Young. Let's look at today's weather forecast first thing. This coming from KCRG. Last night's showers and thunderstorms have moved their way off to the east. For many of us, these things didn't produce much rain, but were certainly loud as frequent hit lightning and even a little small hail accompanied the storms. Totals ranged from 0.05 inches to around a half inch, depending on where you are. The system has now moved east and will likely drop the temperatures a bit more by the afternoon as gusty northwest winds kick in. Plan on highs generally into the 40s, tracking a system that may affect us Wednesday through Friday. The system poses several challenges, with the first being when the precipitation will begin. The rest of the challenge reside with types of precipitation and how much of each. On Wednesday, it's very possible that this is a mostly dry day for most areas in eastern Iowa. The thinking is that a line of snow showers will be approaching the area. However, the dry easterly wind will likely be eating away at it, so whatever falls on Wednesday, if anything, appears to be of little consequence right now. The chance is simply there as a heads up that there could be a little something going on. Most of this could easily stay in central Iowa. For Thursday and Thursday night, this period of time is the most favorable for a rain-snow mix to move into eastern Iowa. At this time, the track of the system suggests a rather traditional approach where northern Iowa gets most of it and accumulation trails off as you head south. It's too early to determine any sort of snow amounts at this distance since temperatures are so borderline. Several inches in northern Iowa seems like a reasonable expectation, though. Farther south, it might be just a messy mix of rain and snow with limited accumulation. And on Friday, look for a colder day with lingering flurries. The wind will get rather gusty behind the system, likely leaving us in the 30s for highs. Now, let's take a look at the stories from the front page that we will be reading. Best Care Anywhere, World's Greatest Spring Break Returns, and we begin reading the top story, Abortion Still Legal in Iowa for Now. GOP awaits ruling by the Iowa Supreme Court. Tom Barton of the Courier's Des Moines Bureau filed this story. Dateline Des Moines. Among the bills that didn't survive Friday's legislative funnel deadline were those dealing with abortion, including proposals to ban nearly all abortions and the use of abortion pills in Iowa. The bills show an eagerness by rank-and-file Republicans to ban abortion following the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade in June, removing the federal right to an abortion, and sending the issue back to the states. But GOP leaders have said they want to wait for now on the outcome of an Iowa Supreme Court ruling that could clear the way to ban abortions in Iowa after six weeks into a pregnancy. As of now, abortion remains legal in Iowa up to 20 weeks. But Iowa's legal landscape remains unsettled when it comes to abortion restrictions. Abortion rights advocates warn abortion access in Iowa hangs by a thread and that GOP leaders have ways to revive legislation later in the session 
if they want to impose restrictions. Walgreens also announced last week it will not distribute abortion pills in states, including Iowa, where Republican attorneys general have threatened legal action if the company began distributing the drugs, which have become the nation's most popular method for ending a pregnancy. And lawmakers were successful in advancing Senate File 324 that includes portions of Governor Kim Reynolds's sweeping health care bill, including a $1.5 million increase in funding to the 55 pregnancy resource centers in the state that counsel against abortion. Quote, for now, abortion remains safe and legal in Iowa thanks to the uproar from Iowans about the proposed abortion ban, said Maisie Stilwell, Director of Public Affairs for Planned Parenthood Advocates of Iowa. Quote, but make no mistake, this fight is far from over. Even though Republicans in Iowa can't agree on how or when to ban abortion, their intent to outlaw it is still crystal clear. We stand with Iowans and aren't backing down because people, not politicians or judges, should control their bodies and future, unquote. Iowa Attorney General Brenna Byrd signed onto a letter last month warning pharmacy chains, Walgreens and CVS, of legal trouble if they follow through on plans to deliver abortion pills by mail. The letter signed by 20 Republican attorneys general argued the pharmacies risked violating federal law by mailing abortion pills, known as a medication abortion, contradicting guidance from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, which recently loosened restrictions allowing patients to be prescribed the two-dose regimen without an in-person visit. Bird told the Courier's Des Moines Bureau she disagreed with the way the drug, Mifeprestone, was approved for distribution and had safety concerns about the broader accessibility of medication abortions. Quote, Abortion pills carry the added risk that when these heightened complications invariably occur, women suffer those harms at home, away from medical help, the Republican Attorney General wrote in their letter. Quote, and finally, mail-order abortion pills also invite the horror of an increase in coerced abortions. Outside the regulated medical context, a person can obtain an abortion pill quite easily and then coerce a woman into taking it, unquote. Medication abortions, which remain legal in Iowa, are safe and effective, with fewer than 1% of patients having complications, according to the Guttmacher Institute, a research group that supports abortion rights. More than 7% of the 4,058 abortions performed in the state in 2020 were medically induced. Final data for 2021 was not yet available. Iowa was one of 13 states that participated in a national pilot and research project the FDA used to suspend in-person dispensing requirements for abortion pills for the duration of the pandemic. Sites sent study packages containing mifeprestone and misoprestol by mail and had remote follow-up consultations within one month. Researchers determined that outcomes were comparable to in-clinic care and that 
the direct-to-patient telemedicine service was highly effective and critical to protecting patient safety during the COVID-19 pandemic. Twenty House Republicans introduced a bill, House File 510, that states life begins at fertilization and bans nearly all abortions in Iowa. The bill, titled the Iowa Human Life Protection Act, states, quote, unborn human beings are entitled to the full and equal protection of the laws that prohibit violence against other human beings, unquote. Quote, abortion is a murderous act of violence that purposefully and knowingly terminates a human life in the womb, the bill states. The bill would allow Iowans to file lawsuits against anyone who performs an elective abortion, administers a drug that is intended to cause an elective abortion, or aids or abets someone seeking an elective abortion in the state. Lawsuits, though, could not be brought against a pregnant woman who gets an abortion. The measure also would require Internet providers to block Iowans' access to websites related to abortion care. The spiked proposal contained exceptions for in vitro fertility treatments, for emergency contraception, such as Plan B, for intrauterine devices, and medical care that is intended to treat miscarriages and ectopic pregnancy, for medical emergency, or to, quote, save the life or preserve the health of an unborn child, unquote. House File 146 would ban the prescribing, sale, or transfer of mifeprestone and other common drugs used for medication abortions. If the bill passes and is signed into law, dispensing the drugs would be a Class C felony, punishable by up to 10 years in prison and a fine up to $13,660. Both bills were quickly squashed by House leadership and never assigned a subcommittee hearing. Leaders in the Republican-led legislature say they're waiting on an Iowa Supreme Court decision on whether to reinstate a blocked law that would ban the abortion except in the earliest weeks of pregnancy before taking any more steps to restrict abortion in the state. Republican House Speaker Pat Grassley of New Hartford told reporters Thursday his position and that of Senate leaders and the governor hasn't changed. Quote, I wouldn't look at that as any sort of broad framework that's been laid out by leadership by any means, Grassley said, of House File 510. Quote, we have members of our caucus that are very passionate about the issue and protecting the unborn. Quote, but from my perspective, until we see what the court does, I don't think you're going to see any action on pieces of legislation until we see what the court standards are set out, unquote. The Iowa Supreme Court is scheduled to hear arguments on April 11th on a request by Reynolds to reinstate a 2018 law that would effectively ban most abortions once cardiac activity is detected, usually around the sixth week of pregnancy, before many women know they are pregnant. The Iowa Supreme Court in June reversed its 2018 decision and now holds that the Iowa Constitution does not provide a fundamental right to an abortion, but justices have not said what standard they would use to view any new potential laws. Quote, We have said from the beginning 
that House Republicans will stop at nothing until every Iowan has lost their right to make their own health care decisions when it comes to the issue of reproductive freedom, unquote. House Minority Leader Jennifer Confirst told reporters on Thursday. Confirst said the proposed near-total abortion ban bill, quote, is proof that this is true. We hear a lot of times they're not going to do anything this year. We're going to wait. We're going to wait, the Windsor Heights Democrat said. Quote, I will believe it when I see it. Otherwise, I believe they simply can't help themselves. This is an issue again that rallies their base and goes too far, unquote. It's not what Iowans want, she said. More than 60% of Iowans surveyed believe abortion should be legal in most or all cases, according to a Des Moines Register Mediacom Iowa poll from October. Our next article from the front page is titled, World's Greatest Spring Break Returns. Kids can try 10 venues in downtown Waterloo for $1 between March 13th and 17th. Melody Parker filed this story. Dateline Waterloo. For just $1, a child can enjoy activities at Waterloo's popular recreation, arts, and cultural attractions during the annual World's Greatest Spring Break for Kids. From March 13th to 17th, families can participate in hands-on fun at 10 downtown Waterloo venues, all located within a one-square-mile area. Discounted admission for kids is $1 per person, per site. Thanks to sponsorship by the R.J. McElroy Trust, some venues are free of charge. Quote, downtown Waterloo is an awesome place for families. It might just be the best square mile for kids in Iowa, said Megan McKenzie, executive director of the McElroy Trust. Quote, we hope every child will have a great spring break, unquote. McElroy Trust has sponsored the world's greatest spring break for kids since 2010. More than 10,000 people participate each year. All children must be accompanied by an adult. Supervision is required. Organizers predict attractions will be busy, so families should plan ahead and check the schedule for special hours at each site. There is no registration, but venues will adhere to maximum capacity figures. Quote, Spring Break Week is our biggest week of the year. It draws quite a crowd, said Kaylin Graham, Phelps Youth Pavilion Manager. Kids can choose from two sessions from 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. and 1.30 to 5 o'clock p.m. Monday through Friday. Quote, we have 350 wristbands for the morning session and 350 wristbands for the afternoon for the pavilion and playscape, a popular climbing sculpture, Graham said. By week's end, approximately 3,500 participants will have climbed aboard the Tap Tap Taxi for a bumpy ride in Haiti, taking a virtual drive into a Grant Wood landscape, and explored about 40 interactive exhibits, art workshops, high-tech adventures, and gallery displays. Quote, the feedback we get is that kids love it, and it's a time of year when kids have been cooped up inside for a long time. It gives them something to look forward to, a lot of space to play and explore, and an exciting time for kids, Graham said. At the Blackhawk Children's Theater, kids can immerse themselves in 
theater, improv, and games. Two sessions will take place daily, Monday through Friday. Quote, it's important for us to participate in spring break. We love to see more kids in the theater and have new kids show up who didn't know we are here or who haven't felt comfortable auditioning for shows, said Anita Ross, executive director for Waterloo Community Playhouse and BHCT. Quote, this is a good chance for kids to find out if they enjoy theater. And it's just fun to play games, she said. Attractions participating in the event are the following. Phelps Youth Pavilion, Waterloo Center for the Arts, 225 Commercial Street. Two sessions are planned daily, Monday through Friday, from 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. and 1.30 to 5 o'clock p.m. Creative and interactive experiences. Children must be accompanied by an adult, and admission for the child is $1. Next, John Deere Tractor and Engine Museum at 500 Westfield Avenue in Waterloo. Hours are 9 a.m. to 5 o'clock p.m., Tuesday through Friday. Arts and crafts activities for all visitors will include John Deere Kids Coloring Table with coloring pages, character stickers, and photos with favorite cutout characters. Admission is free. And National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum at 303 Jefferson Street in Waterloo. Hours are 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Thursday. Displays interactive experiences. Admission is $1. Blackhawk Children's Theater, Walker Building, 224 Commercial Street, is open from 11 a.m. to noon and 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. Theater immersion games and fun. Admission is $1. The Grout Museum District. Daily shows at 11 a.m., noon, 1, 2, and 3 p.m. at the Norris Corson Family Planetarium at the Grout Museum. Address is 503 South Street. Science demonstrations at 11 a.m., 1, 2, and 3 p.m. at the Blue Dorn Science Imaginarium at 322 Washington Street. Admission is $1. Scavenger hunt at both locations for prizes. And Waterloo Public Library at 10.30 to 11.15 a.m. March 14th. Big Bang Bubbles for Youth, 10.30 a.m. on March 17th. The Graffalo Storytime and Activities. Admission is free. Young Arena Three daily ice skating sessions from noon to 1 p.m., 2 to 3 p.m., and 4 to 5 p.m., Monday through Thursday. Admission is $1. Skate rental is $1 each. Helmets and pads are recommended. Capacity is limited. Cedar Valley Sportsplex Swimming Pool only at 300 Jefferson Street, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., 10.30 to 11.30 a.m., and noon to 1 p.m. Monday through Friday. Capacity is limited and admission is $1 for the open swim. The YMCA swimming pool only, 425 Lafayette Street, from 1.30 to 3 o'clock p.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Capacity is limited to 30 in the pool at a given time. Admission is $1. Children under 14 must be accompanied by parent, guardian, or adult 18 or older. And the last one in the list is 
Volunteer Center for the Cedar Valley Makerspace and Hartman Reserve Nature Center, Third Floor Tech Works Building, 360 Westfield Avenue, 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. on Wednesday. Learn about snakes and turtles, read books, and make a toy snake or turtle to take home. There's free admission. For a listing of these events, visit www.mcelroytrust.org slash spring break. And our next story on the front page is titled, Best Care Anywhere. And it begins with a photograph of an adult woman reading to a young child who is delighted clearly from the expression on her face. And the caption of the photograph says, Waverly Child Care and Preschool Second Grade Teacher Andrea Schnell reads with August Broom in class on Thursday in the newly constructed expansion of the property. Waverly Preschool will double capacity, adding 167 new slots. Story filed by Maria Cooper, Dateline Waverly. A Waverly Preschool is nearly doubling its capacity after a new addition was built. Waverly Child Care and Preschool is adding 167 new spots with an expansion project. The new construction is connected to the existing building at 1600 West Bremer Avenue. The older section of the expanded center was built in 2004 after the business moved from 305 16th Street. But only two years after that, the preschool developed a long waiting list. Waverly Child Care and Preschool Board President Brian Ramker said, In 2008, the wait list went down due to the recession and major flooding. But from 2010 to 2022, before the pandemic, people wouldn't even sign up for child care because the waiting list was so long. Director Heather Wagner said, quote, We knew that there was a lot more need out there than the 130 kids sitting on the waiting list, Ramker said. We had a number of businesses coming to us and saying, can you please do something? We had the perfect employee, and they chose to take a job in a different town because there's no child care here, unquote. Since the pandemic, the wait list dipped in numbers, but now has slowly crept back up. Wagner said currently there is only a wait list for children ages 3 and 4. As the older portion of the building opens up after renovation, even more slots will become available. But it's going to be a slow process, she said. Quote, we're not going to be able to just say, hey, we can accept 100 more kids right now, she said. With that added space, our wait list won't be like it was. We're hoping they keep it down so people aren't waiting for two years, unless by choice, unquote. She said some people sign up their children for preschool prematurely, to ensure a spot in the classroom. Construction on the new building began last fall and is currently holding all the children and staff until construction workers are finished revamping the old building. The expansion includes six new classrooms, a multi-purpose room, storage room, conference rooms, and a kitchen. Wagner is excited that the multi-purpose room can act as a storm shelter and there is more storage for teachers Tiny toilets for children and blind spots in the classrooms have been eliminated. The multipurpose room in the older part holds 28 children, while the new one 
will hold 55. Before COVID-19, center attendees would go to the West Cedar Elementary to use their multipurpose room, but after students returned, more restrictions were put in place and the center stopped utilizing the elementary school's space. As for the older building, rooms will be moved around and given a facelift. Children will also continue using the current playground behind the building. The entire center will be completed by September. A news release states the expansion is supported through a campaign to raise $3 million. Rampker said $1.8 million has been raised so far. The campaign is open to the public to donate. Rampker said those wanting to make donations or volunteer with the fundraising campaign can visit waverlychildcare.org. And now let's turn the page to the Courier's regular Monday morning Northeast Iowa area escapades. Here are just a few of the events and goings-on worth checking out this week in the Northeast Iowa area. At the top of the page, we have an event from Tuesday, March 7th and Wednesday, March 8th, titled Bluey Brought to Life. Kids' favorite blue healer puppy, Bluey, brings her adventurous friends to the Gallagher Blue Dorn Performing Arts Center in Cedar Falls for 6.30 p.m. shows Tuesday and Wednesday. Bluey's Big Play is a new theatrical adaptation of the Emmy Award-winning children's TV series with an original story by Bluey creator Joe Brum and new music composer Joff Bush. Tickets start at $29 and they're available online at tickets at uni.edu or at the GB Pack box office or by calling 877-549-7469. On Monday, March 6th, Hands of Time recital set. The Hands of Time, an ensemble of University of Northern Iowa School of Music faculty artists, will perform a jazz recital at 7.30 p.m. on Monday. The event will take place at the Bingston Auditorium in Russell Hall on the UNI campus in Cedar Falls. Christopher Mertz, Bob Dunn, Michael Conrad, Jonathan Schwab, and guest artist Dennis Johnson will perform. Admission is free, and the event is open to the public. On Thursday, March 9th, out-of-town travel exhibit opens. The Hearst Center Photo Club will present out-of-Iowa travel images during its annual exhibition. An opening event is planned at 7 p.m. Thursday at the Hearst Center for the Arts, 304 West Searley Boulevard in Cedar Falls. The exhibit is in the downstairs hallway at the Hearst. Travel images hail from Colorado, Utah, Yellowstone National Park, the Black Hills, Peru, Ireland, Tennessee, and Germany, among others. Featured photographers are Barbara Myers, John McCormick, Kristen Powell, Al Sunt, and Sherry Huber Oding. On Friday, March 10th through Sunday, March the 12th, Maple Syrup is Sweet Festival theme. The 37th annual Maple Syrup Festival is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Hartman Reserve Nature Center. The reservation's only fundraising event will feature all-you-can-eat pancakes with maple syrup, sausage, sidecar coffee, 
and Hansen's Dairy Products. Conservation staff will show how they make syrup from sugar maple trees at the reserve. Raffle prizes will be available. Tickets are $10 for adults, $5 for youth ages 3 to 15, and no cost for children 12 and under. Visit www.blackhawkcountyparks.com under the events menu to see complete details, available time frames for seating, and to make reservations. Paper tickets will not be sold in advance or at the door, and no walk-ins will be accepted. Proceeds will benefit environmental education, recreational programs, and natural resource management of Black Hawk County Parks. On Friday, March 10th through Sunday the 12th, Sports Show returns this weekend. The Eastern Iowa Sports Show is Friday through Sunday at the Unidome, 2401 Hudson Road in Cedar Falls. Hours are 3 to 8 p.m. Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Saturday, and 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sunday. Admission is $7. Nearly 100 exhibitors are expected to offer everything from hunting and fishing equipment and outfitters to archery, family resorts, all-terrain vehicles, and more. There will be a kids' zone with a petting zoo. In addition, the Cornhole League Midwest Open, also known as the Bacardi Spiced ACL Open Series, will take place in the McLeod Center and the Wellness Recreation Center on the University of Northern Iowa campus in conjunction with the sports show. There is an admission charge. The next listing is Thursday, March 9th. Piano concert features Barrett and Botkin, the first spring Joyce Galt Piano Concert Series performance is at 8 p.m. Thursday in Davis Hall at the Gallagher Blue Dorn Performing Arts Center on the UNI campus in Cedar Falls. Performers will be Corey Barrett and Sean Botkin, faculty artists at the UNI School of Music. It is free and open to the public. And the last event listed here is for Friday, March 10th, Midday Melodies showcases trombones. Enjoy the classics for lunch at the Hearst Center for the Arts, 304 West Searley Boulevard in Cedar Falls. At noon on Friday, UNI trombone students will perform, directed by Anthony Williams. Bring a sack lunch and relish the free music. And now, listeners, we want to remind you that you're hearing the reading of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier for Monday, March 6th on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Now, since the paper has no obituaries, let's turn to the opinion section. Our first editorial was printed first in the Storm Lake Times pilot editorial page, quote, Everything Goes My Way, The Wonderful Political Life of Kim Reynolds, editorial written by Doug Burns of the Iowa Mercury. Actor Michael Urey's character, Brian, the gay best friend of lead Jason Segal in the Apple TV hit Shrinking, has a catchphrase that's caught me in a days-long pondering of Governor Kim Reynolds, her remarkable ascendancy, and defining of Iowa, a mark-making perhaps more permanent than anything shepherded by any Hawkeye state leader in history, and her visions, or at least those circling 
happily these days, in the considerable political gravy of her seemingly endless orbit, quote, everything goes my way, Brian colorfully proclaims in Yuri's scene stealing moments in the comedy Shrinking, which also stars a surprisingly very funny Harrison Ford. Not since Jamie J.J. Walker's Dynamite has a little ditty stuck the landing so effectively on the small screen. A gay character should be the last person, or perhaps the first, depending on perspective, to prompt reflection on Reynolds. But that catch line is defining. For actor Yuri and Governor Reynolds, everything is, indeed, going her way these days. It's luck, timing, and all credit to Reynolds, her steadfastness in staying on message, remaining in her lane with political blinders that obscure her from vision and policy or political exit ramps into off-brand territory. The government is being feted as much as vetted by the obligatory adorations of a parade of Republican presidential hopefuls, all of whom sing her praises as the best governor in the nation. Nikki Haley, a former South Carolina governor, celebrated Reynolds in grand fashion Monday night in Ankeny. The leading Republican White House candidate, former President Donald Trump, campaigned with Reynolds just days before the November election in Sioux City. Trump dropped accolades about his son, Don Jr., hunting the frozen lands of Iowa with Reynolds's husband, Kevin, a supremely nice man who, if truth be told, would probably prefer no adjacency to the ugliness of modern politics. Then on Wednesday, another likely presidential candidate, Tim Scott, the South Carolina senator, undeclared, but a Republican who is running Facebook ads in Iowa, endorsed Reynolds's biggest political achievement to date during an event at Drake University in Des Moines, the passage of school reform with big vouchers, what Republicans call education savings accounts, for private school families. For better or worse, the legislation is likely to change Iowa more than any bill in the history of the state. Reynolds, who I think could wage a winning presidential campaign of her own, if she owned the moment, is on something of a statewide victory tour from now through the Republican caucuses. She can appear with all the candidates and endorse none, all the while showing the Oval Office aspirants and their ever-observing advisors her popularity in the state. She is the clear front-runner for the Republican vice presidential nomination. Whether the GOP pick for the White House is male or female, Midwestern or Southern, Trump or DeSantis, or a surging surprise. Here in Iowa, Democrats and many Republicans see the school voucher regime as catastrophic, an ideological asteroid hurling out of the D.C. think tank solar system and headed straight at rural public schools, the foundation of what makes Iowa, well, Iowa, or did. If they are right, no worries for Reynolds. A constellation of factors is contributing to rural decay in Iowa, from consolidation in agriculture to sweeping out of local businesses in favor of giant out-of-state purveyors of goods and services. Place has no place in modern America, where one's online existence 
matters more than where the head falls on the pillow at night. It will be impossible to draw a direct line correlation between Reynolds's school reform and the diminishing even destruction of swaths of rural Iowa should Democratic detractors prove accurate in their predictions of the long-term effects of school vouchers. Should this happen, Reynolds can distract and deflect to other issues, knowing the Iowa Democratic Party is depleted of trusted messengers in rural reaches of the state to tie her policies to their demise. And then there's this. Reynolds is close to vanquishing the media's power to illuminate her mistakes, holding her accountable. She rarely holds news conferences and could serve the remainder of her term taking no questions from reporters and pay no election day consequences if she stands for re-election in 2026. Quote, I don't trust the media and you shouldn't either, unquote, Reynolds could confidently say. In fact, Reynolds could tell Iowans she's saving them hundreds of thousands of dollars and just eliminate her press and communications team entirely, opting to have no interaction whatsoever with the media. A critical mass of Iowans wouldn't even blink, such as the blind obedience to her vision of Iowa, her way of doing things around these parts. Luck is an underrated handmaiden in human affairs. Two of the more intelligent and qualified politicians in the state's history, Herbert Hoover and Henry Wallace, respectively a Republican and a Democrat, ran into what Frank Sinatra would have called a streak of bad luck. The brilliance of Wallace and Hoover found no shine in their time. And here's Reynolds, a lightly resumed middle finger to meritocracy itself, what used to be the coin of the realm in Iowa, remaking the state at a breakneck pace. Everything is going her way. No one person has defined Iowa as much as Kim Reynolds. It's her state. The rest of us are just living in it. Which, to be fair, remains a choice for most. Doug Burns is from Carroll and is editor of the Iowa Mercury email newsletter on Substack. Next, a piece that came from the New York Times titled A New Battle on the War on Abortion Pills. This filed by Dana M. Johnson. A ruling expected soon from a Trump-appointed federal judge in Texas could halt the provision of a drug called Mifeprestone for use in abortions. This could potentially make the drug very difficult to come by in all states, including those where abortion is legal. The decision in Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus U.S. Food and Drug Administration could revoke the FDA's 23-year-old approval of Mifeprestone, which is one of two drugs typically used during a medication abortion in the nation, what would be a highly unusual move, one that would show blatant disregard for the decades of scientific and clinical evidence showing that the drug is safe and effective. It also, no doubt, would be fought further in court, possibly even making it to the Supreme Court. Reproductive rights legal experts have called on the FDA to ignore the decision from Judge Matthew Kaczmarek if he does order the agency to rescind its approval for Mifeprestone. But it's important to know that if Mifeprestone became wholly unavailable in the United States tomorrow, such a decision 
would not be the end of abortion access in America, nor the end of access to safe medication abortion. That's because there's another drug that is safe and effective abortion care option, and Americans may soon need to rely on it more than ever. It has been eight months since Roe v. Wade was overturned, and abortion has since been banned in 13 states and counting. People in states where abortion is banned or severely restricted have been forced to travel hundreds of miles to clinics out of state. For those for whom travel is too expensive or time-consuming, abortion pills provided by the mail have been a vital option. Medication abortion already was the most common form of abortion, and since Roe was overturned, demand has surged for abortion pills. Mifeprestone, which, when taken with a drug called misoprostol, accounts for more than half of abortions in the United States. Misoprostol can be and is frequently used on its own. The two drugs have been used together in the United States since the FDA approved Mifeprestone in the year 2000. But around the world, misoprostol, which causes the uterus to contract and expel the pregnancy, has for years been used by itself for abortion care. In fact, misoprostol is regarded as the original medication abortion pill. We know from decades of clinical evidence that misoprostol used alone for medication abortion is safe and effective. Misoprostol alone is not widely used in America, but the medication is widely available and a sample protocol for abortion providers has been released in preparation for a potential shift in clinical practice. The World Health Organization provides guidelines for using misoprostol alone for an abortion. For pregnancies of less than 12 weeks gestation, the WHO recommends 800 micrograms of misoprostol placed under the tongue, in the cheeks, or vaginally, with repeat doses as needed. For pregnancies at or beyond 12 weeks, the WHO recommends 400 micrograms of misoprostol under the tongue, in the cheeks, or vaginally, repeated every three hours as needed. Some people use up to five doses. Misoprostol causes bleeding and cramping, and some people may also experience diarrhea, chills, fever, nausea, or vomiting. There is a growing body of evidence that misoprostol is effective for self-managed abortion, performing one's own abortion without clinical supervision, and that it is safe. In Argentina and Nigeria, among people who've used misoprostol alone to self-manage their abortion with support from a safe abortion hotline, 99% had a complete abortion. Other studies from Nigeria, Pakistan, and Thailand show similarly high levels of effectiveness. Recently, my co-authors and I published a U.S.-based study on the safety of misoprostol alone used for self-managed abortion, finding that overall 88% of users had a complete abortion and very few people experienced adverse events or symptoms of a potential complication. People in the United States are knowledgeable about misoprostol, and people all over the world find it to be a highly acceptable medication abortion regimen. For Americans in favor of abortion rights, there is hope in the implementation 
and expansion of models using just misoprostol for abortions in the United States. But it is also clear that even with Roe v. Wade overturned, conservative lawmakers and judges remain relentless in their attacks on abortion. Disproportionately, the people who would suffer from this decision would be those with fewer resources to combat unjust laws. Anti-abortion laws and court decisions often aim to stoke unwarranted fear about the safety of abortion. So it's important to remember that while this looming decision could be a major blow to abortion access in America, misoprostol alone remains a safe medication abortion option. It is critical that everyone who cares about American abortion access learns about misoprostol and its uses to prepare for what may soon be to come. Dana M. Johnson is a Ph.D. candidate in public policy and demography at the University of Texas and a senior associate research scientist at IBIS Reproductive Health. The next editorial is titled Dress for Success, and it's by John Cullen of the Storm Lake Times Pilot. Conservatives across the country are freaking out about the prospect of men dressing up in women's clothing and vice versa. Apparently, cross-dressing marks the end of civilization. If that's the case, civilization ended decades ago. In the 1950s, the infant medium of television grew up on cross-dressing men. Milton Berle and Sid Caesar built their comedy careers in skits where they dressed as women. Johnny Carson, the Iowa-born and Nebraska-bred king of late-night television from 1962 through 1992, appeared hundreds of times as Aunt Blabby, amusing millions of fans across the nation with his portrayal of an old woman. Then there was the great improvisational comedian Jonathan Winters, whose Maud Frickert character displayed a sharp wit with an even sharper tongue. Legendary crime fighter J. Edgar Hoover reportedly liked to slip into a comfy house dress after a long day chasing gangsters at the FBI. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee said this week that he would sign a bill making it illegal for men to appear in drag shows. A sharp reporter asked him about the time he wore women's clothing in high school. The old picture of him dressed as a short-skirted cheerleader was published widely. Governor Lee was indignant, but under the terms of the law he favors today, he would have been charged and faced 11 months in jail for his fun as a teenager. That's how stupid some of these proposed laws are. When I was a freshman at St. Mary's High School way back in 1964, it was tradition that we perform a talent show for the rest of the school. As I recall, I was one of about half-dozen freshman boys who had to dress up as girls or flowers and sing some kind of silly song. It was all approved by the administration. Our straight-laced principal, Sister Sarita, laughed as hard as anyone. I don't believe we boys suffered any long-term effects. It seems like some of these governors are trying their best to take all the fun out of life. Why can't we just leave people alone? School kids now in some states can't read classics like The Diary of Anne Frank and Huckleberry Finn and the biography of Roberto Clemente, baseball star and humanitarian, because some self-styled do-gooders are afraid reading good books 
may cause kids to think. The Bobsy Twins, Nancy Drew, and the Hardy Boys books have been removed from school libraries in Florida until they can be reviewed, and if anyone chooses to complain about any of them in Iowa, they could be removed here as well. Have they read some of the stuff that goes on in the Bible? Most of the wrath seems to be directed at men dressing as women. What about women dressing as men? Since the 1970s, women have increasingly adopted men's fashion styles in most workplaces today, from banks to hospitals to newspaper offices. Working women wear pants and jackets and save the skirts and dresses for formal occasions. Long gone are the days when a college girl couldn't leave the dorm unless she were wearing a skirt or dress. Even women in our state capitol, including Governor Kim Reynolds, generally dress in suits and pants, and that's perfectly acceptable. But imagine the uproar if a man showed up wearing a dress. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's nice to know that Milton Berle, Sid Caesar, Johnny Carson, Jonathan Winters, Mark Twain, J. Edgar Hoover, Sister Sarita, and Nancy Drew escaped the wrath of justice that would befall them today for letting people read and think and dress as they chose, while our legislators worry about what citizens are wearing or reading, we can't get the intersection at Storm Lake Early Elementary School finished. Highway 110 from here to Stalar is an alignment shop's dream. We need millions of dollars to find more drinking water for Storm Lake. We can't hire enough teachers. There are real issues that our state is failing to address as lawmakers' attention is distracted to lifestyle issues. Instead of worrying about what people are reading or wearing, our government should devote its time doing what we sent them to Des Moines to do, fix our schools, highways, air, water, sewer, bridges, dams, communications, transportation, hazardous railroad loads, corruption, taxes, immigration, health care, public safety, courts, jobs. John Cullen is the founder and retired publisher of the Storm Lake Times. Now, let's return to local news from The Courier. Waterloo man arrested after attempted break-in and destroying a car on Oliver Street. Andy Malone filed this story, Dateline Waterloo. A man allegedly destroyed a car and tried breaking into a home Saturday afternoon on Oliver Street. Terrence Deshaun Williams, 36, of Waterloo, was charged with two felonies, second-degree attempted burglary and second-degree criminal mischief for a few thousand dollars in estimated damage. He also was booked with interference with official acts, a simple misdemeanor. At 4.45 p.m., a neighbor called to report vandalism. Officers found Williams, who lives on Gable Street a few blocks away, allegedly responsible for kicking in the door and window of a gray Ford Taurus parked outside the owner's residence at 413 Oliver Street. Williams later tried to break into the home in a conflict involving money. He fled to his brother's home at 406 Oliver Street, where police apprehended him. His jail bond was set at $10,300. Now here's a story about the protest at the Iowa Capitol on Sunday. Hundreds protest LGBTQ bills at the state Capitol building. 
This written by Caleb McCullough of the Courier's Des Moines Bureau and begins with a color photograph of a large crowd at the state capitol with the caption saying, Hundreds of Iowans protest a surge of legislation that state lawmakers are considering that targets LGBTQ Iowans at the state capitol on Sunday. Even Hugel is worried about his future in Iowa. Hugel joined hundreds of Iowans to protest a surge of legislation that state lawmakers are considering this year that targets LGBTQ Iowans and topics in schools on Sunday. Bills, he said, will negatively affect him. A transgender sophomore at Ankeny High School, Hugel said he faces bullying in school and lack of acceptance from some family members, but proposals to ban gender-affirming care for minors and restrict LGBTQ topics and students in other ways will make things even harder. Quote, I'm going to stand up and fight this because I don't want to live the rest of my school years in misery, he said. I don't want to live the rest of my life in misery. This seriously impacts my future, how I'm going to grow up and being a trans guy, unquote. The recent increase in bills focused on LGBTQ issues in Iowa has made it hard for Hugel to see a future in Iowa. He is considering going to college at the University of Iowa or Iowa State University, but now he's having second thoughts. Quote, now I'm having to look at colleges out of state and be far away from my family, just so that I can be who I am, Hugel said, quote, which I am not looking forward to, unquote. Several hundred people crowded the west steps of the Iowa State Capitol to protest LGBTQ-related bills lawmakers are considering this year. They held signs that said, Trans people belong in Iowa, and referenced the state's motto, Our liberties we prize, and our rights we will maintain, and flew rainbow and trans pride flags. Democratic lawmakers, teachers, LGBTQ organizers, and students who spoke at the rally said bills being advanced by the state's Republican majority contradict with notions of freedom and liberty they champion in other areas. Quote, Real liberty is the ability to read what you want, said Amy Wettendahl, a Hiawatha City Council member and transgender woman. Quote, Real liberty is having control over your own body. Real liberty is the ability to marry the person you love, unquote. Lawmakers have advanced bills out of committees this year banning gender-affirming medical care for transgender minors, prohibiting instruction on gender identity and sexual orientation in early grades, requiring school employees to notify parents if they believe a child is transgender, and requiring students to use only bathrooms that align with their biological sex. Republicans supporting the bills said they are a reaction to concerns brought by constituents and parents, and they give parents more input into their child's education. On the bill to ban gender-affirming care for minors, Republican House Speaker Pat Grassley said last week the lawmakers are taking a cautious approach to the issue, despite advice from medical experts last month to keep health care options in place for transgender youth.
teachers and education advocates said at the rally that the bills that deal with LGBTQ issues in education are censorship and restrict the ability of teachers to be a trusted resource for their students. Under a bill proposed by Governor Kim Reynolds, any school employee would need to notify parents if a student expresses a gender identity different from their biological sex, and schools would need parents' permission to refer to a student by a different name or set of pronouns. Republicans have said the provisions would give parents information about important decisions their child is making, but some teachers said the bill would put students in harm's way if their parents do not accept them. And now, listeners, that's going to do it for today's reading of the Waterloo-Cedar Falls Courier for Monday, March 6th. I'm your volunteer reader, Bob Young. Remember, you can access a recording of the reading of this paper, The Courier, or the other newspapers around the state of Iowa that we read on our website, iowaradioreading.org. You can do that at any time. And we want to thank you for listening to your IRIS, Iowa's first and only radio reading service. <music>